Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Welcome to a five-part limited series podcast on diversity and inclusion, hosted by Odyssey Houston Market Manager, Sarah Frazier, as she chats with Dr. Laura Murillo, CEO of the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, about the life experiences that inspired her to write the book, Lead in Life, which is available now on Amazon.com. Here's Sarah Frazier and Dr. Laura Murillo. All right, so in this section, I want to talk about your early career. Yeah, let's do that. Really interesting and a lot of influential people. It's funny, whenever whenever there's a story, it always comes back to the people, doesn't it? That's right, and that's why my cover says people, passion, and persistence, right? Mm -hmm. It's all tied to those three, and I have been blessed by some great people, Sarah. So let's talk about those people. Okay. So one that really stood out to me was Juanita. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about her. Well, let me begin by saying I feared that woman. I was <laughs> intimidated by her. I was nervous when I would go around her in the beginning because she was on top of her game. She was so smart. She was so strategic. She was put together. She was a very petite woman. She listened very well. She was an extraordinary listener. So let's back up and tell the listener who she is. Yes, where you were yeah. when you met her yeah. and what her role was. So Juanita Romans was CEO of Memorial Hermit in the Texas Medical Center. She was a nurse and moved up the ranks. That's tough to do. Very difficult to do. And rare. And so I was recruited from U of H to work for her. And I didn't want to go to the interview. And I kept getting calls from recruiters, you know, just go and meet her, come out. It's a great company, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm happy at U of H. I don't want to do that. But ultimately, my mentor said, are you kidding? It's a Texas Medical Center. It's Memorial Hermann. You would be reporting to the CEO. Just go to the interview. And within five minutes, Sarah, I knew I wanted to work for this woman. But as I said, the intimidation factor that I felt, the oh my goodness, this woman is something. As I had read up about her, I had seen videos of her. This is a big move for me. Mm -hmm. I'd been at U of H for almost 15 years. I didn't want to work at a hospital. When you were comfortable. And I was comfortable. And I had this whole team of people every two years promoting me. And I knew everyone and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm meeting with this superstar woman, executive, and as mentioned, she was a great listener. When she spoke, she had something to say. So she would ask you a question, then she'd sit back and listen. And you're nervous because she's not interrupting you or interjecting. So you're trying to figure out what she's thinking. <laughs> and I realized within five minutes, Sarah, that I wanted to work for her. And my one question to her was, why should I leave my career at the University of Houston and come here and work with you? And she said, because I develop people without blinking. 
And she said, we need someone like you. You'd be on our executive team. You'll report to me. And then all of those feelings, right, that one gets of, oh, my gosh, can I do this? They're mm-hmm. all physicians. They Imposter all went to syndrome. these phenomenal universities. Mm-hmm. They're, they've been in this sector. They have degrees in hospital administration. I was doing fundraising and external relations. Nonetheless, it was intimidating. I was the only, I think there was one minority, and she was one of the most special people I have ever met, and her name is Erin Asprick. And she was probably my age or a little younger, and this woman is phenomenal, and um, otherwise everyone else was older and, and white. Fast forward, eight out of ten of us on that executive team went on to become CEOs, thanks to Juanita Romans. And she'd give you an assignment, and she'd say, do you, do you understand what I'm asking for? Yes, I do. Okay. And you'd leave. And it was very small interactions with her because she was so busy. Mm-hmm. But then you'd come back and present to her, and she'd always notice the one thing you had not done or the one thing that you knew she was going to ask you about that you were still being challenged with. And she'd say, perhaps you should think about it this way. Or might I suggest... I loved when she'd said that. And we'd always laugh when she'd say it to someone because we knew when she said, may I suggest, she meant, you better go and do this right now. Right, right. <laughs> so my point is she was instrumental and continued to be a mentor to me to this day does. And uh, at some point I asked her to serve and asked the board if they consider having her on the board because we needed help with some strategy and big picture things. And she was really, really good at strategy. She agreed and uh, she said, I you, you, what am I going to be doing? I mean, Laura, you, you've got so many people. I said, we need someone who's good with strategy and that's going to challenge me and push me. She said, are you sure? And I even asked myself, what am I doing? I mean, I know the level of game that she plays, and I was sure. Because you want that. You want people to challenge you. You want them to help them push you to be better. And I knew that if she ever pushed back or, or challenged me, it was because she wanted me to reach my full potential and not because she was being critical. Does that make sense? It does. And that she was there to help me get there. So we all need people in our lives like that, that push us, that make us a little uncomfortable. She was my a little uncomfortable person that has made me so much better. And she went on to become the first non-Hispanic woman to serve as chair of the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. That's amazing. You wrote... In, in your chapter that says, take care of the job you have and the next one will find you. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there was an interesting part where you said or intimated that her aspirations for you might have been larger than your own. They were. And I thought that was a really interesting take. Um, not only that she was thinking further ahead because you are a forward thinker. Yeah. But she pushed you to look even further than you sure. were even considering on your own. Yeah. yeah, because my goal was VP because I thought I'm a solid VP and I can you know, support a CEO as in the case of Juanita. Being CEO and that, that's a very different role and I was never a VP. And she said to me, you're going to be a CEO one day and you need to learn other skills. And I pushed back. No, I don't. I'm fine doing this. I've got one person reporting to me. 
She said, you need other skills. And it was not a suggestion. And so from one week to the next, I went from one person that was reporting to me to over 500, responsible for a budget of over 300 million, 10, 12 departments, everything that was customer service or interfacing with people, which she believed was my strong suit. And she said, whatever you don't know, we'll teach you. Go, do it. And hospitals are 24-7 operations, so that was also a big challenge. And everyone on her team was very high-level, very high-producing, very high-caliber. I learned so much from watching them that it enabled me to be with a very top-notch team, and I learned so much. And, and when they saw me where I needed help, they they would help. And they said, this is what you need to do. This is what this means. Help me understand this. And it was a very collegial uh, experience with some very extraordinary individuals. So she pushed me, and sure enough, when the opportunity came for me to consider the chamber, she was one of the people that I consulted with, and she said, go. You've been preparing for this. Go. She says, you need to go in there, and, and they need a change agent, and no one better than you to do it. And she gave me the confidence to to do it and believe that I could. It's fascinating how much so one person's influence can make on your life. Sure. And, you know, one thing I really thought about was the people that you work for sometimes are more important than the job that you have. I say it all the time. And I think especially young people who are thinking about careers today and especially in this different way of looking at how we are working from home and remotely, absolutely. I think there is a time and place, I I like to say, follow your passion and the money will come. And I hope that's true. In, In most cases, hopefully that's the case. But there's a high premium of who you work with I believe, that will help you cultivate new skills and teach you the importance of being persistent, being passionate, getting things done. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like on-the-job training. You don't get that necessarily in a classroom or in college. It's an on-the-job training that you get. So if you have a boss that isn't motivating and you're not seeing them figuring things out, then how will you learn those things, right? And so being able to be with people who were very passionate about what they did, who had challenges, who figured it out, but most of all, they loved what they did, Mm -hmm. helped me do all the things that I've been able to do in my career. Yeah, she, she invested in you. She absolutely did. And one thing that you talked about also is your, the importance in investing in yourself. Yes. As women, as mothers, as daughters, we're usually on the bottom of that investing yourself list. And one of my strategies for everything is I write things down. I have a phone, but I write things down. Currently, I have about three notebooks of things that I'm writing down, right? And maybe work, personal, and invest in myself. Mm-hmm. And so I go in there and I write down. These are the things that I need to do to invest in myself. Because I know if I write it down, it will get done. If I say it, it will get done. Say that you are and you shall become. Say that you are and you shall become. And I remember saying that phrase repeatedly one evening in particular to my daughters because I found it in a book and it just resonated with me. Mm -hmm. And it was a book about your internal thoughts. Mm -hmm. 
and what they do to you. And it had data and facts, and it, it talked about women and how we per day have way more negative thoughts of ourselves than men. And I saw that line, say that you are and you shall become. And I went into the girls' room, and they were already sleeping. I said, we've got to read this. And I was, say that you are and you shall become. Come on, let's say it together. And after about 60 times that we said it, they were like, Mommy, please stop. (laughs) (laughs) We got it. We got it. But I'm a big believer that, you know, what's in our head manifests in one way or the other, Sarah. And I've got a lot of internal thoughts. And investing myself is something that I have had to work at Mm -hmm. to do because the nature of of my work is is helping and serving others. And, And I do that every day, all day. And so I've made time to invest in myself, right, by challenging myself to learn new things, reading things that I normally wouldn't read, applying to the Harvard University Women on Corporate Boards, even though I thought, you know, I don't have a chance of doing this because it's a small cohort and there's women from all across the globe. Well, they admitted me. And I got to learn all of these things. And it also puts you in check, right? You think, oh, I'm doing so much. I'm so busy. Oh, my goodness, how can I do one more thing? And then you meet these other people. I need to pick up my game. <laughs> it's funny. There's a saying that says, you know, if you're if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Yes. And I completely subscribe to that. Yeah. And people, I know people say this to you. They say it to me. They say, I just don't understand how you get everything done. <laughs> you, my best friend said, I think you have more hours in the day than I do. And I think that's really funny. But one story that you told in the book just puts puts anything I'd ever thought about to shame because you talk about when you were had a full-time job, you have one child, you're pregnant with the second child, and you're working on your doctorate. Yes. Why did you decide to do it at that time? <laughs> because I was influenced by the people around me, right? And so the people around me were university administrators. They were university executives. They all had doctorate degrees. The people I aspired to learn from and be like were on the news and they were providing commentary about our city. They were influencers. Mm -hmm. They had two letters before their name. I already had a master's. I had already been at U of H for, you know, 10 years or something. And so the people I was around said, look, you need to step up. If you want to really do this, this meaning be a university executive or be a leader that doctorate will make you among less than the 1% in the country. Ooh, I don't want to go back to school. I don't want to take these exams. I've already got a lot on my plate. So all of the no's, right, came to me. And one professor especially said, money, family, time, test, working, kid, no way, no how. You can't do this. People like you start this, but don't finish. Oh, people like me. And I'm a big believer in signs, Sarah. says I walked out of his office, kind of like slumped down and thought, well, maybe he's right. I can't do this. I saw a picture of something that was like on a cork board, and it was a picture of research being done in the Rio Grande Valley area, which is where my no parents way, had crossed yeah. the Rio Grande. And I saw that photo, and I just like broke down in tears. Like, how dare this man? Tell me people like me start this and don't finish. And that was my inspiration to complete that application after six months of carrying it, after not scoring well my first time or my second time on my graduate 
whatever the test was and just getting more letters and filling out stuff and finding a loophole that said if you get admitted conditionally and can show you can make A's, then you have permanent admission. And and I completed my entire doctorate with an A average doing all of those things. It's amazing. Because I was inspired and thought, you know what? This is nothing compared to my parents. And I'm not going to let one man tell me I can't do it. Thank you for listening to part two of this five-part limited series podcast on diversity and inclusion, hosted by Odyssey Houston's market manager, Sarah Frazier, as she spoke with Dr. Laura Murillo, CEO of the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and author of the book, Lead in Life. Be sure to check out the next part of this five-part limited series, as well as Dr. Laura Murillo's book, Lead in Life, available now on Amazon.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.